25 years ago, March 29th, 1996, Art Modell stood at Baltimore's Inner Harbor and announced the name of the new NFL team, the Ravens. We'll talk about how the Ravens name came about and we'll reminisce about those chaotic first few months of the Baltimore Ravens. They weren't the only ones that were shocked. <laughs> Players were worried whether they're gonna get housing, it's moving expenses, where are we gonna live, et cetera. Where's training camp? And we're the mean machine mean from machine. the longest yard. Exactly. You know, we, yep. we had white helmets and black jersey, yep. no yep. names. Burt Reynolds was out there. <laughs> Now we're trying to get guys, you know, college guys. You got, okay, you want to come? Does Baltimore have a team? <laughs> and uh, the kid that Detroit took, we had him ahead of Ray. Mistake on our part. But he goes, and we're sitting there with the 26th pick. And I said, okay, we're taking Ray Lewis. And I remember calling Ray, and he goes, who? <laughs> Welcome into the lounge. We've got a unique episode of the lounge today. This is something that, you know, some fans may have been wanting for a long time, which is the two of us to take a back seat. <laughs> We're going to yeah. shut up in this episode. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> so today, if fans didn't know this, today is March 29th. This is when this episode is going live. This is the 25th birthday of the Ravens becoming the Ravens. On this day, 25 years ago, was when Art Modell held up that card in the Inner Harbor saying that the Ravens were going to become the Ravens. And if some of our younger fans don't know this, it was actually a poll. It was a poll in the Baltimore Sun to select what the team name would be. And Ravens won in an overwhelming majority uh, to become the team name. This is after the, the it was announced that the Browns were moving from Cleveland to Baltimore, but you're in this little weird territory where it's it's the offseason and you're kind of you're not fully in your new home yet. You're kind of moving stuff out, and so it was just kind of this weird territory. And that's when the Ravens became the Ravens. Do you well, know Garrett, what the other? Wait, uh, yeah, I was just gonna say here's here's trivia time. Do you know what the other options were? I do know what the other options were. It was the Marauders oh, okay. and the Americans. Well, there's also the Baltimore Bombers. Oh. Well, I think There's those are the top three. The, the Baltimore Steamers, the Baltimore Mustangs, the Baltimore Bulldogs, Baltimore Rhinos. But the top the three, the top three were Ravens and then Marauders and Americans. Wait, this can't, some of these can't be real. Hold on a second. What are you There's looking no, at here? There's no way the Baltimore <laughs> bacteria was an option. No. No. Where are you getting your information? I'm, this reading, is Baltimore, why you... I'm reading the Baltimore Sun story. Jonas <laughs> Schaefer, blame Jonas. He's got the Baltimore bacteria. That can't be real. The Baltimore pickpockets? No. Well, I, I guess one thing we know for sure is just be happy that it's Ravens and not the Baltimore bacteria. <laughs> <laughs> so anyway, so so anyway, what we decided to do with this episode was to mix it up a little bit. And so we've got a really cool conversation. Uh, Kevin Byrne, the longtime Ravens head of public relations and community relations, uh, he's going to hold a conversation with some of the key figures of that first Ravens team who were part of that transition from Cleveland to Baltimore and establishing this team here. Uh, so we're going to go ahead and kick it over to Kevin to hold this conversation and get some great stories from that group. Brian and Garrett, thank you. Hi, everyone, and welcome to this podcast. And we're going to re be reflecting and celebrating the beginnings of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, 25 years ago, March 29th, 1996, the Ravens became really official when Art Modell 
stood at Baltimore's Inner Harbor and announced the name of the NFL's new NFL team, the Ravens. We'll talk about how the Ravens' name came about, and we'll reminisce about those chaotic first few months of the franchise. Uh, let's, in, let's meet our panel. We're going to start uh, first with uh, our current, with the Ravens' current Senior Vice President of Operations, uh, Bob Eller. Bob, welcome. Uh, Thank you, Kevin. The Ravens were smaller then, and when, when Bob in 1996 was not only doing operations, he was doing public relations, uh, and he was the key PR executive at the time, and, uh, and he's, a, he's a Baltimorean. He, he was uh, from here originally. He's a Towson University graduate, and, uh, and he came home to help start the Ravens. Bob, that had to be an unusual time for you. It was very unusual. It was very busy, Kevin. It was very exciting. And uh, as you know, and everybody on here knows, it was a lot of work to get done, a lot to accomplish <laughs> in a very short period of time. Uh, but very it, was, uh, it was interesting. It was it fun. Was. It was. We didn't get much sleep back in those days. No. Bill Tessendorf is here. Hi, Bill. You know, if there's, uh, and Ozzy will agree with this 100%, I'm sure, if there's a Hall of Fame, for trainers in the NFL, Bill Tessendorf would be one of the first inductees. No doubt. Tess was the head trainer for the Cleveland Browns. We were the Cleveland Browns before we became the Baltimore Ravens. And he became a team vice president later on for the Ravens. He basically, Tess, I'm telling the world this, got our facility in Baltimore up and running at a professional level in a very, very short time. Tess, welcome to the podcast. Thank you very much. The, uh, the next guy really doesn't need much of an introduction. I've done it so many times in my career, and, I, and uh, I'm always delighted. Uh, I always tell people that Ozzy and I are like an old married couple. Our offices <laughs> were next to each other for 25 years. We sat next to each other on charters, uh, team charters, for all those years. He's a Hall of Fame player after a spectacular Browns career at tight end. He's still the leading receiver in Cleveland Brown history. Am I correct, Ozzy? Think so, Kevin. Yeah, I thought you'd know. <laughs> He's currently the executive vice president of the Ravens, and that's because Steve Bishotti and current general manager Eric DeCosta won't let Ozzy retire. Uh, <laughs> Oz, we're going to go back to the move from Cleveland. We'll, we'll reminisce a little bit about that. Uh, but first, uh, and I've never asked you this question, then owner Art Modell, January 1996, or February, early February, came to you and basically put the franchise in your lap and said, here, assemble an NFL team, get us ready to be the new Baltimore franchise. What was your reaction at that time? And um, were you surprised? And, and what were your thoughts about having to do that? Well, Kevin, it all began when I was at the Combine. Uh, we were preparing for the combine, Michael Lombardi, Bill Belichick, and I. And I got a call from Jim Bailey uh, telling me to get my clothes, go back to Cleveland, and then come to Baltimore and not tell anybody what I was doing. And I followed those directions, and I ended up in Baltimore. And when I got here, uh, in discussions well, with – Hey, well, first of all, Oz – well, just uh, some, some people don't know, fans don't know, Bill Belichick was our head coach. So you were reporting to Bill Belichick. 
Exactly right. Uh, Bill was the head coach. Um, we had went to the playoffs in '94. Uh, I think we were four and two in '95 when the move was announced, and it was just tough just being able to get the players to to play at a high level. But uh, again, you know, I, I ended up coming to uh, to Baltimore to meet with uh, with Jim and Art and David. And in that conversation, they asked me, uh, we'd like for you to move to Baltimore with us. And, and I said, okay. And uh, they said, uh, do you want to be involved in coaching or personnel? And I said, personnel. And they said, great, because that's what we want to make you the, uh, I guess it was director of player personnel. Uh, so that happened. And that night, I had a long conversation with Bill Belichick uh, to let him know that uh, he had heard that he wasn't coming. And... From that point on, Kevin, it was a blur, you know, <laughs> going back to, to Cleveland, uh, having to deal with that, getting back over here, uh, trying to get myself prepared for draft, trying to sign the, the free agents that we were going to sign at our own. It was a blur. It, it was a real blur. As was, I think, all of us, our former Cleveland Browns, the last couple months were blurs for us in Cleveland. It was such a bizarre time. It was the fall of 1995, and uh, Tess, you were in the training room, uh, and and the and the for fans, the trainers like the gossip hall, you know that it, that's where you hear everything because players can let their hair down. Tess, what do you recall? What were the were the players shocked by this announcement of a move, or or, or how how were they coping with it back then? They weren't the only ones that were shocked. Uh, <laughs> I happened to get it, hear it from Doug Deacon. And I said, oh, you're full of BS, Doug. But uh, no, it was uh, nobody knew. And everybody was kind of jostling for position. We'd only been to Baltimore to play the Colts every once in a while. And uh, so there was no history with the franchise of moving. And so I think everybody was up in the air to figure out what was going on. Players were worried whether they're going to get housing expenses, moving expenses, where are we going to live, et cetera. Where's training camp? And that. So uh, there was a lot of decisions that Bob and others, uh, Bob Eller and others in the organization had to make and basically get ready to go training camp in uh, three months or four months. Ozzy, it's, it's uh, as we've talked through the years, it's hard to win a game a game in the NFL. Everybody's good. Um, you're a former player. You were close to the players. You were both coaching and doing scouting at the time. So you're with the players a lot. Um, how did you judge their focus? And, and was it an impossible task for the coaches at the time? Well, I think we had good leadership. Uh, like I said, that team had went to the playoffs two years before. So there was some leadership with, with guys like Rob Burnett, uh, Eric Turner, uh, Benny, uh, Ernest Bynum. So we had, we had real good leadership. And uh, those guys basically said, okay, you know what? Uh, a football field is 100 yards uh, long and 53 and a third wide. Hey, football is football. And so they came over here reluctantly and said, you know, if our jobs is in Baltimore, and we're going to have to play football. We're going to play football in Baltimore. I think that's how they approached the whole thing. And that really helped that transition. I know it helped Bill. It helped Bob. It helped yourself, Kevin, when you had to deal with the media. 
that we had those guys that were leaders and they just accepted the responsibility that they were football players. Yes, and, and Bob, you were uh, already drinking from the fire hose with your job in Cleveland. Now you had to start juggling about moving to Baltimore and, and helping move a franchise and worried about that. Uh, what were your first steps involved with that? Oh, geez, Kevin, it was a whirlwind. Well, first of all, we had to, uh, we, we met as an organization and uh, Pat Moriarty and I um, un, under the direction of, of Jim Bailey um, and uh, helped organize uh, some relocation packages and things like that for, for not only the staff, but also for, for players. And uh, so the first order of business was to get people to Baltimore and to get them uh, comfortably set up uh, under the circumstances. And so we had, um, we had some, some, some corporate relocation packages for people who owned homes. Uh, and then we also had some short-term apartments uh, that I think many of us used uh, initially until we found a home. Um, I remember the night very well when we're staying down the street in Owings Mills in a temporary place and a fire alarm went off. And I remember seeing Ozzy standing out there in the parking lot. Remember that, Oz? <laughs> yes, uh, I do. <laughs> so <laughs> we, um, yeah, we, we, we had to get that set up. But then, of course, there were so many other things that need to, to happen. Uh, we, uh, you know, we needed to find a training camp home. Uh, and uh, that was a rush. And we needed to... Um, you know, just find basic accommodations that an NFL team needs, such as, you know, um, hotels at home and on the road and all the other things that come with it. Um, and so, uh, yeah, there was, there was, there was quite a bit to do, um, in relation to getting ready for the season. Uh, and it was, it was a little tricky when you didn't have a name, to be honest with you, uh, and you didn't have colors. Uh, so, um, you know, yeah, this is, uh, you know, um, this is Bob with the, with the Baltimore football team. Uh, so, you know, we, um, we did the best we could and, and, and got things set up. We, we ended up going to Western Maryland college, uh, at the time it was called Western Maryland. It's now called McDaniel college, uh, which housed the Baltimore Colts for years. Um, of course, because it was so late to get started that first year, we were spread all over the campus we had classrooms in four different buildings, people staying all over the campus. It was, it was chaos. Uh, eventually ended up taking over that little hotel up there, but, uh, um, but yeah, so it was, uh, there was, there was quite a, quite a whirlwind. Um, that's for sure. And, uh, you know, I can't say enough for the work that Tess did, Bill Tessendorf and, and, and of course, you know, Ozzy hit the home run uh, right off the bat with that draft. Right. Well, and, and also we had to finish a season. We were in Cleveland yep. and we had an obligation uh, to those fans and to the NFL to be the best we could there. So while we're looking over here to Baltimore, we we had to finish the season. You know, I, I, I remember at the time, in, in, this is not offensive to Bill Belichick. He was not a popular head coach in Cleveland. You know, that uh, and uh, and so people hadn't really embraced him for for a lot of different reasons. But uh, and Art was gone and Jim Bailey had gone and I'm in the phone book, as I've always been. And so and I was the public voice announcing to the world everything that was going on. 
trying to do our football business, but at the same time answering questions from Baltimore media who now had come over there and become a regular part of our press conferences. And so after it leaks out that, that we're moving and it was leaked out, uh, um, there was a police car in front of my house. And at first I wasn't paying attention to it. And then Sally, my wife noticed it. And then it was there all night. And so the next night it's there again. And I'm thinking, well, this might be about me <laughs> because <laughs> I'm the voice saying that the franchise, the great <laughs> Cleveland Browns are leaving. And it really made Sally and, the, and our kids nervous. So I went to Chuck Cusick who, who, you work with Bob and, uh, and, and asked him, uh, I said, do you have a police car at my house? He goes, yeah, you're the only one. They know where you live. You're in the phone book. I told you not to put your name in the phone book. And I said, you got to get it out of there. It's my, my wife and kids are nervous. So that's the atmosphere we, we were working. And, and just one more thing before we get to more about coming over to Baltimore, Ozzy, you're a hero in in cleveland i mean there are few athletes in the history of the cleveland browns who are embraced more than ozzy newsom um and and now you're being involved with this in your mind at that time i know you got invited in 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 february but in 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 november december of 95 are you thinking what's going to happen to my career or what's going on and what do my neighbors think of me well, I was working for Belichick, so you didn't have much time to think about much other than football. <laughs> but, you know, I, I was, uh, you know, and I was just trusting Art and Jim Bailey uh, during that time. And, uh, you know, it was a, a big struggle. I know I remember probably two or three weeks after the, the move was announced, uh, I was in a conversation with, with Belichick, and he said, can you remember – at any time where a, a team moved during the season. He said, we need to research that so we can reach out to people so that we can figure out how to handle this with our football team. And there was not one. And that's how difficult it was for us uh, to be able to maintain that football team uh, in the midst of knowing that this team was moving in a city like Cleveland, and in a city like Cleveland that was passionate about his football. So uh, it was difficult, but, you know, when you work for Bill, you just, you know, you keep yourself focused on what's important. And what was important was trying to win the game that very next week under tough circumstances. If you recall, Ozzy and Kevin and Tess, uh, after that announcement in Cleveland, uh, as we would prepare for games, we would get out of town yes. to prepare for games. So we had yes. extended stays for the rest of the season pretty much because we were just getting out of Dodge. To avoid all of the hubbub, it was bizarre. There were all the signs had come down. Yep, Bob, you know you're seeing that. I was trying to think why I was was in Jacksonville, and I think that was the reason why because I was talking to the GM from the Jaguars, and he was talking about the TPC there, and I go, I've been there. <laughs> I think the reason why I went there is because that's one of the the, the places that we moved to, you know, to practice uh, before we played a game. Yeah, Jacksonville Beach. Yep. We went there, and uh, it was a, a Friday practice, and uh, Bill came up to me and said, go find the guy who can get these lights turned on. And we kept <laughs> practicing and practicing and practicing. 
<laughs> yeah. Cold in Jacksonville. You know, you know and the, uh, then we have our final game in Cleveland at Cleveland Stadium uh, against the Bengals. We win the game. There are, there are people literally tearing the stadium down during the game. And uh, Oz, I, I, I know um, it had to be an unusual moment for you uh, that day and at the end of the game. Uh, very emotional. Uh, at that point, I was uh, pretty much in charge of the offense. So, you know, during the game, even though, you know, between series and stuff, you would see all of the activities that were going on in the, in the stadium. Uh, but, you know, I tried to stay focused. But uh, once the game came to an end and then we're standing out there on the field, and you remember this, Kevin, and we're standing there and, you know, just uh, emotions are just overcoming myself. And I look to my left and there you were standing. Yeah. yeah. And I think on the other side of me was Dino Lucarelli. You know, right. and uh, uh, to, to two people that have been, you know, a lot responsible for my success in Cleveland off the field. And, and we just sat there and, and we all embrace we embraced that moment together. Kevin, you yeah. and I did, you all know, right. because I mean, yeah, you had grew up in Cleveland also. You right. Know? Right. And, and to be a part of that. And it was I mean, and again, that was one of the. <clears throat> Longest drives that I had from Cleveland Stadium back to Orange, where I was living at uh, during that time, uh, of thinking and reminiscing uh, about my career in in Cleveland, and and just passing by you know different sites and so forth. Uh, it, it seemed like it took an hour and a half, but it was only thirty minutes. Right, and then guys, just like that, the next day, we're Baltimore. We're got to go to Baltimore. We got to get things done. Bob, you're from Baltimore, um, um, how, what were your feelings at the time? Did you think the Baltimore fans would embrace us, especially after Bob Ursay had moved the team to Indianapolis when you were back in the, with the Colts in the, early in your career? And, and what did you expect from the fans, and were, you, were there any surprises along the way? Kevin, I, I, I'll be honest with you. I was very optimistic. I, I knew that this was a great football town, and I knew that it was the right call uh, for, for so many reasons um, at the time, uh, and um, the circumstances dictated that whole situation. But I knew Baltimore was a great football town. Um, I, uh, I, I had no doubt about that. Uh, I grew up here, and I witnessed, I witnessed it. My my young life. And, uh, and then, you know, the franchise kind of fell on hard times with, for a lot of reasons, uh, and personalities, um, you know, there was a look towards the end, it, not so much, but, uh, but during the heyday, uh, there was nothing like it. And, um, so I knew, I knew we were coming to a great place and, uh, you know, I've got to give credit to, 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 to you and to, to your vision of, of instantly, having a mission of integrating the players into the community. Uh, and that was priority and started at the top with art. And I think you, uh, you just did a fantastic job of game planning to make sure that uh, we were doing the right things in the right places for the, for the people who needed it in the community. And, um, and a love affair grew. And, um, and, the, and, and I think the, players trepidations slowly evaporated as well 
uh, about uh, about the whole move and ended up loving the city of Baltimore. I agree. Yeah, but when we first walked over here, uh, our new facility, Bill Tessendorf, <laughs> was the Baltimore Police Academy <laughs> in Owings Mills. When Somewhat you were first nowadays, <laughs> <laughs> when you when you first saw the facility, your reaction. Uh, wasn't looking for armed guards or anything like that, but it, you know, the Colts had built the facility, hadn't been used a whole lot, but it would had been taken over by the police. The uh, field was overgrown. Training room was, uh, we didn't know what it was. Part of it was the locker room and other things. So but what it amounted to is there was a lot of teamwork that had to be done to get the facility up and operational. But Bill, uh, you know, we'll, the three of us will attest, or the four of us, you're the king. I mean, Bill's yeah. not only the trainer, but as I said at the beginning, he was like a construction manager. So you were running electricity to various places. You were knocking <laughs> down walls, but you weren't hiring people to do it. You were doing it. No, we, we, we hired people. We hired people. Let's put it like this. The, the interesting thing is Mike Preston came in to the facility to check it out. And he come to introduce me and I had a tool belt on and he looked at me like, you're what? <laughs> you're, you're the head trainer? <laughs> the more, as my dad used to say, the more you can do. <laughs> but again, it was not, I mean, we had Billy Jankowski, we had JJ Miller who handled the, the, uh, the uh, equipment department because we were a, a split football team. There was a lot of people still left in Cleveland that had a, pack things up and get it out and get it over shipped over here. And we had to move and operate the facility. Yeah, there is. It was chaotic. You know, and Bob, you mentioned about getting the players involved. I, I, Art Modell, the owner, we, I think we put him on every radio station and TV station and had him in every newspaper office within a hundred miles of the inner Harbor. We did it with players, Rob Burnett, Vinny Testaverde, Tony Jones, Ernest Biner, they were making regular trips here and they were like our ambassadors. And we put them in every corner of the uh, community. We went up to York, Pennsylvania, uh, went up to Harrisburg. We went down to Annapolis. We did everything we could to say, Hey, you, we're just regular folks. We work hard and hopefully we'll work smart. And, 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 and that's why we want you to buy us. And at the same time, Ozzy, while we're all doing this, the mantra internally was leave football alone. Football has enough chaos right now. <laughs> Just to, you know, so we couldn't use you guys to sell the team, but you guys had to assemble a team that was going to play soon. This was all being done in weeks and just a few months. And it was, it was kind of nuts. And, and Ozzy, you had to assemble your staff, uh, prepare for the draft. Then you had to recruit and sign free agent. Um, what were those early days like for you? Uh, like I said earlier, it was a blur, but, you know, uh, I think, Art made a great hire in Ted Marchbroder uh, because uh, our relationship, our working relationship was great. You know, he wanted to coach the football team. You know, he wanted uh, me to be involved in helping him put the staff together. And I think it was four or five guys that were off, off of the staff in Cleveland that came over, Kirk Ferenc, Pat Hill, Mike Shepard, um, you know, a, a lot of other guys, we all came, uh, came over on, under Ted. And, uh, but, you know, we didn't have a lot of resources, you know, uh, at that time. And 
But we do have, we did have those two draft picks uh, in the first round. But you know, we the staff that I had were all guys that I had worked side by side with, and uh, you know, and they uh, respected that I had been promoted to that position, and they gave me the respect that I needed, but also gave those guys the respect that they needed because I knew how good they were in doing their jobs, and so I, I remember we had to come over and uh, to do a presser with the, with the Baltimore Sun. And I had just enough time to drive out to Owens Mills and pick out offices for people. Okay, this one is mine, and that's going to be Phil, and that's going to be Scott, and then we'll have one other one, you know, for Ellis, you know. And all I had time to do, you know, to be able to, to relay that to Bill, you know. That, that one is going to be mine. And so, you know, that happened. But, you know, Kevin, that first year, we didn't have a practice squad. We didn't have the, the salary cap and the money to have a practice squad. And I was – I was going to players asking them to take a reduction in their salaries and I would build the backside so they could make it back up. So those were the things that we had to, uh, we were confronted with uh, under that situation. And the only thing I could say the best day of that whole time was when we beat the Raiders in that first game, it was. (laughs) Yeah, but it was a bumpy road to get there. I know we all know that. You know, they, at one point we get to have our first mini camp, and and we all were looking out the window, Bob and I and Tess and Ozzy around the field, and and we're the mean machine mean from machine. the longest yard. Exactly. <laughs> we had white helmets and black jersey, yep. no yep. names. I think yep. Bob, did we have white pants? Yeah, we did. Yep. Yeah. Yep. So and now this is the. Burt Reynolds was out there. <laughs> I think yeah, Burt Reynolds was the quarterback. So, uh, when as a football team, Ozzy, what did we look like in those first sessions? Well, uh, it was a still it was a veteran team, you know that we had, uh, but we just didn't have numbers, you know. So, you know, a practice, and we all know Ted. Ted didn't like an hour and a half practice. Ted like a four and a half hour practice. So, uh, you know, when you don't have numbers, it's hard. And then, you know, your veteran players are like, you know, how much longer do we have to be out here? So uh, we, we had to manage that. And we had to manage that with our veteran players that, you know, this is Ted's way and this is the way it was going to be. And, uh, and it, ha- it worked out that way, you know. But I, I, again, I'll give credit to, to that leadership group that was on the team that, you know, realized that it was uh, a tough situation and they made the best of it. But I mean, I mean, those uniforms, but they were in the National Football League and with the promise that every day was going to get better. It just took about three or four (laughs) weeks or months before things did start to get better. Well, in the meantime, we opened that uh, practice to the media. All the media is there. It's a big deal. But but at that time, we, did, we were just getting a manifest from Memorial Stadium, you know. Yep. We had to sell tickets. We were selling suites to a stadium that didn't have suites. We were like <laughs> boxing seats together because those suite, those sections would become, or those groups would become suites in the new place. And I always remember this. We were talking about ticket pricing one night. It, it was like midnight when uh, David Modell addressed it. And we're sitting there and, okay, let's start at the 50-yard line. What should the best seats in the house uh, be costing 
And we had a group we hired from the Baltimore Orioles, and they were terrific. David Cope, Roy Summerhoff, and Baker Koppelman, who are, who are still with us and are, are leaders in this organization. And David Cope, you know, I'm sitting there, and he goes, well, let's make the 50-yard line seats $300 a piece. And, and I'm sitting there and go, let's see. Guy wants four seats. It's $300 times four times 10 games. So, you know, and I'm doing the math there, and I go, well, that's a lot of money. You know, I make, I have a reasonable job. I couldn't afford that. Plus, we were asking them to buy a personal seat license. You know, they'd have to buy a license for the right to buy that. And, uh, and I said, well, well, David, how many are we going to sell? Is it going to be like the 50-yard line? going to be 10 people who buy these tickets, and that's it? That'll be our $300 tickets? <laughs> he goes, well, I think there'll be more than that. Well, in the end, that section became 35-yard line to 35-yard line. Because people would call and say, I want the best seats in the house. I want to buy the best seats in the house. And so we just kept extending the $300 seats. We go, well, we have $300 seats. Those are our best. So it started like the 48 to the 48, eventually gets to the 45, <laughs> then it gets to the 40. And, and finally, with the 35 to 35, one of the guys who comes and looks at his seats and sees that they're at that 35 yard line is a guy named Steve Bishotti. And he calls Roy Summerhoff in charge of tickets. He goes, hey, pal, you know, I thought I was going to be at the 50 yard line. And Roy says, no, I'm sorry. That's where your tickets are. And Roy <laughs> survived the ownership change. <laughs> and they're still working and, here, Kevin. He's still working. And it's like Steve comes in. Hey, hey, Roy, remember me? <laughs> uh, but it was nuts. It was it, so. And uh, when, when you got, when Oz, when you're talking to agents, what do you say? Like, hi, I'm Ozzy from... Baltimore. <laughs> but, you know, and, you know, I, I would just say, hey, uh, you know, this is Ozzy Newsom. Uh, I'm representing the Baltimore from Baltimore right now. I wouldn't use that. It was not a team name. I said, we are in Baltimore right now. And, you know, we would like for your client, you know, to come and visit us and, and to see what we're doing. And he go, well, what is your name? And I go, Baltimore, you know. <laughs> So, but, but it, it was, I mean, uh, it, it was a, an opportunity where, you know, everybody saw it as, okay, I can come there, I can play, and it would help my career. So we were able to advertise that, that this is a place where you can come, you can get on the field, and you can show how good you are, and all that's going to do is help your career. So we're doing all this work, guys, and, and we're Baltimore, <laughs> Or not, we don't have a team. The league's even going, you got to come up with a name. We got to put out a schedule here, you know? And so you have to have a name. And, and uh, uh, I remember David Modell telling me, because uh, I, like, I like the Ravens right away. When we had in, internal discussions and, and David warned me, he said, don't kitchen table me. Don't, don't, <laughs> don't go to Art's house, you know, Art, his father Art, and, and get this and behind my door. We, you know, we've got to have this, this is a process. David, who, who, who um, and I give him credit for this, he was regularly, and in all his spare time, any spare time he had, was reading the history of Baltimore. Yeah. And so he, he read that at one time it built the largest locomotive uh, engine in the United States, and they called it the Americans. So he said the Americans would be a great name, and we could have the American flag on our helmet, and we would be America, Steve, because of the American flag. 
Bob, we were looking up, you know, they, they had the Baltimore Stallions and the CFL. They had the Colts. We were looking for, you know, other names that involved horses. And he came up with Marauders. And we'd have a guy on a horse, you know. And uh, so you, you continue that legacy that way. And so in the end, we decided, you know, we kept saying we wanted to include the fans in everything we did except calling plays. <laughs> uh, they, <laughs> although if Art could, Art Modell could, he would have put fans in the huddle if he could. He, he, <laughs> he, he, he loved getting the fans integrated. So we decided we were going to let the fans pick the name. So we went to the Baltimore Sun. We made a deal with them. And, and we gave them three names. We gave them the Ravens, which had the Edgar Allan Poe theme, uh, Baltimore. Uh, Edgar Allan Poe lived here for a while, supposedly wrote the poem, The Ravens. And that would be so much different than any other team that, you know, we'd be named after a poem, yet Ravens at the same time, you know, was a big, nasty bird. And, and supposedly, uh, according to what's that movie, Bob, uh, with uh, uh, Carrie? Jim Carrey in it, uh, where he said Ravens, the smartest of all birds. Uh, pet uh, police, what detective? What was that? We're all old. We can't remember. No. But he, Dan Marino was in the film. But anyway, yeah. they had the line in there that the Ravens, the smartest of all birds. So we had the Americans, Marauders, Ravens. We let the fans uh, um, vote, and it came back overwhelmingly overwhelmingly for Ravens with about 80%. Um, Bob, and back in when you saw the first poll, uh, uh, I know you were really busy at that time. Did you have a favorite? Did you think Ravens was going to win or, or what were your thoughts? Kevin, I, it was a no brainer in my mind. I thought Ravens was a, was a, was a winner. Um, I wasn't real uh, keen on some of the other suggestions, uh, but, uh, but yeah, and now it sounds so natural, doesn't it? I mean, it does say Ravens and everybody, everybody knows exactly, you know, there's an identity there. Um, and, uh, and then plus, you know, it had a kind of a cool makings for, you know, dark and mysterious and menacing. And so, uh, <laughs> I think, I think that the, the, the people in Baltimore were smart to pick the, the right name. Well, and, and now the rest is history. You know, we're 25 years old, 25 years ago, uh, the name was selected and announced at the Inner Harbor and, and more than half of our seasons, Ozzy, and this is as much a tribute to you as anybody, we've been a playoff team. And during that time, there are only a handful, less than a handful of teams that can claim that to be in the playoffs, to be in the playoff hunt every year, which is great for your fans, great for the franchise. But, of course, the Patriots have had this great run. The Packers have had the run. And, of course, our, our rival in the division, the Steelers. And it's the four of us, really. There's no other team that has been consistently winning as much as the Baltimore Ravens, which is great. Uh, we had a name. We can now design uh, uniforms. We could have colors. Uh, we could do all that. Uh, and, uh, and the football staff just kept on working. And finally, we get a name, and less than a month later, Ozzie Newsom, you have your first NFL draft. And that first round wasn't too bad. <laughs> no, it wasn't. You know, uh, like I said, uh, I think we had our first meetings as a group around the 1st of April. 
was able to uh, establish the board. Um, at that point, I think we were able to bring in 20 to 25 players into the city. Now we're trying to get guys, you know, college guys. You got okay. You want to come? Does Baltimore have a team? We know that Baltimore had a team, but we had, you know, we were bringing them in to uh, to interview them to get them physicals and so forth. And uh, I think Brian Adams was the guy that was responsible. He was able to get everybody in. The last person to come in was because he had just he went to D.C. to visit his family was Jonathan Ogden. And well, I said, well, why don't we just bring him over? You know, it, it <laughs> we're not going to take him, but at least we, as, as Woot would say, we could smell his breath. You know, <laughs> we brought Jonathan over. And I mean, you know, and Kirk was like, why are you wasting my time? You know, why are you wasting my time with Jonathan Ogden? I got to take him out to dinner. I go, Kirk, I mean, we got to do this. Okay. So we did it. And uh, we get into the draft and uh, we had brought Lawrence Phillips in. And, uh, him, David, Ted, and Mr. Modell, we had went down to Lily and had dinner. And uh, we came away saying that, you know, with our culture, we felt like we could handle Lawrence Phillips, you know. Uh, and because Ernest was getting old and we didn't have a, a back, Leroy Hoard, we wasn't sure about. <clears throat> so we were, you know, dead set on, okay, we can make this work. And we get in the draft, Keyshawn goes, Kevin Hardy goes, and uh, then Arizona's on the clock. And Mr. Bidwell had someone write the name down, Lawrence Phillips, on a card and make sure our person that was representing us at the draft <laughs> saw it, you know, trying to entice us to make the trade. And we didn't. And uh, they ended up taking, I forget, oh, Simeon Jimmy Rice. Rice. He took Simeon. And so there we were left with Jonathan Ogden, the highest oh, rated guy, you know, and Art looking at me and like, we going to take Lawrence Phillips. And I go, no, Mr. Modell, uh, we've done a lot of work. And Jonathan is our highest rated player. And he said, well, we got Tony Jones, you know, and the offensive line was pretty good with Tony and Steve Everett yeah. and Wally and Zeus. He said, well, what are you doing? I go, we put the work in. You know, we need to do it. You know, it sets our foundation. And it did. I mean, so we turned the card in on Jonathan. And I did. I go, Kirk, can he play guard? And Kirk said, he can play anywhere on the offensive line that he wants. <laughs> okay. So we turned the card in. And then we were, you know, uh, going further on because we had, had that made that trade with the 49ers the year before. And we had the 26 pick. And we needed some inside backers. And uh, the kid that... Uh, Detroit took, we had him ahead of Ray, mistake on our part. And, uh, but he goes and we're sitting there with the 26 pick. And, and I said, okay, we're taking Ray Lewis. And, uh, and everybody was excited about it. And I remember calling Ray and he goes, who? You know, <laughs> <laughs> so it, it did. <laughs> Can you imagine? Just think about that. We, we yeah. draft the Hall of Famer uh, Ray Lewis after drafting the Hall of Famer Jonathan Ogden and Ozzy's first draft. And uh, I remember Jonathan said, I wasn't sure what the name of the team was. Ray actually says it to you, Ozzy, that he didn't know the team. But indeed, we were and are the Baltimore Ravens. And as they say, guys, the rest is history. 
The rest is so, history. Uh, Bob Eller, Bill Tessendorf, thanks so much for uh, joining this podcast today. Ozzy, uh, thank you so much for your insights. We could tell so many more stories. We could make this a series. We're not going to do that. But <laughs> no. we overcame a lot of different things in a short time, become the Baltimore Ravens, one of the winning franchises in all of sports. And fans, thank you for listening. All right, so just really fun stuff. I mean, it's fun to hear those stories. I think basically the, the genesis of this whole thing is, and we've experienced this, Ryan, is how many times have you had lunch with Kevin at the castle and and you sit there and you say, or Bob Eller who was on there, and you say, man, these guys got great stories from the early days of this franchise. And I, I would love to find a vehicle to tell those stories. Today was a chance to tell some of those stories. So it, oh, it, was, yeah. just, it was just fun to hear those. Kevin, Kevin is one of the uh, best storytellers in franchise history. He's the goat. He's the goat <laughs> yeah. of storytelling. For sure. For sure. So really enjoy that conversation uh, with them. Before we go, we want to remind our fans, make sure that you enjoy your Crown Royal, but work in those water breaks. Crown Royal wants to remind you to stay hydrated, stay royal, drink Crown Royal Canadian whiskey, and always remember to work in those water breaks. If you so, didn't, if you don't take a water break, the Ravens, if they didn't take a water break back then, <laughs> the Ravens could have ended up as the Baltimore bacteria. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Maybe that the water break at that time is what ended up getting Whew. the team to be named the Ravens. Save thank, us. Thank God for the water break back in 1996. <laughs> uh, so, so anyway, happy birthday to the Ravens 25th birthday. Really enjoy the conversation. And uh, thanks so much for listening.